from the Simply Sense Candle Company Studios at simplysensebyshan.com. Here's what's coming up right now on the We Game Podcast. With your personal situation, dealing with all the stuff you dealt with, do you think it was like your, the way you were raised and your mother's belief in you early on that give you the self-confidence to persevere through all of that? Or do you think it's just like believe, something that comes from internally? If I'm being totally vulnerable, I believe that... It's time to grow, align, manifest, and evolve. Are you ready to game? This is the We Game Podcast. The We Game Podcast is brought to you in part by... Check out Kelly's Closet. You'll have all the style you want in just one click. Kelly'sClosetNow.com Are you looking for a high-quality professional auto detailer that comes to you? Then look no further than Wax That Detailing. Check them out on Facebook at Wax That Detailing or call them at 832-491-5337. Hey, fellow podcasters out there. It's producer John with the We Game Podcast, also known as... This is the impeccable voice, John Brewer. You want to amp up your podcast and make it stand out? Well, I can help. Shoot me a line at johnbrewer at impeccablevoice.com. Grow. Align. Manifest and evolve. Game. Game. My mom more so taught me, like, I, you know, I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to be the mom. I'm going to be working two jobs, getting a degree. Basically, I hope my whole childhood, she was getting some kind of degree, whether associates, bachelor's or master's. She was always in school. So it's like, all right, you got that two, those two elements, you know what I'm saying? Then that's kind of like the way I am. But they didn't necessarily... So what's your degree? My degree is from TSU in medical... It's called clinical laboratory science. Okay. So that's basically working in a lab, you know, using lab equipment to do diagnostic testing. So running blood tests. I work in molecular. So that's like DNA, RNA, testing for specific like viruses and different types of blood, um, blood diseases. Um, I don't really work with cancers as much. Uh, just, just a couple of tests I, that I work with uh, detect certain types of cancers, but mostly like, uh, like different types of clotting diseases um, that are normally hereditary. And then a lot of like viruses and bacteria. So that's mainly what I do. Um, but like my parents didn't really influence that as much. Like that's something I kind of like went, went into on my own. Same thing with the diet. My daddy started that, but he didn't like follow like a, a vegan diet or nothing like that. He started out, um, he got shot in like 1989. And shot. he got shot. 1989. In, in the hood? Yeah. Off Macau. Off uh, Wayside. Not Macau. Wayside. You were 81, baby, too? 80. 80? Okay. But, uh... You barely... You barely made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But but he... As he was, like, healing up, he found a book in the middle of the street that talked about, like, healthy eating and healthy living and stuff. And... And that's kind of what set me on the path. So, like, even though he wasn't completely, like, vegetarian, he was really into, the, like, health, healthy food and healthy lifestyle. Yeah, because it's a balance. You can, be, you can be healthy and not be vegetarian. Yes, 100%. And some vegetarians ain't healthy at all. Like, some vegans definitely ain't healthy. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a balance. 
but that's what kind of set me on the path. And then I, I kind of evolved my own thought process about like how stuff works and stuff that made sense to me. And I was influenced by some of the stuff I read when I was younger too. So like certain books talking about like the animal, um, like how they basically grow up animals and just slaughter them and shit. But mm-hmm. half of those animals that they slaughter and ain't even for food, it's just because they getting too old or, you know, they, they got a broken leg or some shit. Like, it, it just be like dumbass reasons. Like, during the pandemic, for instance, man, they used to, like, dig these big-ass pits because they couldn't, um, they couldn't ship off the meat because the slaughterhouses were closed. So they would have, like, all these different animals, like pigs and cows and chickens that they were just spending money on raising, like the farmers, right? Mm-hmm. So they couldn't sell them off, so they end up just like basically putting them in like a giant pit and then setting them on fire, alive. Damn. Exactly, like Man, alive. What? Like they ain't even bother to kill some of them. And then a lot of them, like if Man, they how you find this out, dog, it was it was all over the internet, but it was buried under the news because it was like it was people dying and shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? People, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but so motherfuckers didn't really pay attention to shit. But like the whole supply chain for literally everything was fucked up, like everything. So, but in doing that, like in the farming supply chain, like man, I, I'm a friend with a dude on Facebook, and he was talking about like he started he started a farm right before the pandemic hit, and he was talking about like getting uh, his his potatoes and like all his crops out. And it was like up north too. So you have a certain amount of time to get that stuff out before it freezes over, right? Or before you can't grow it no more. And he was talking about how like the supply chain was so messed up that the the prices were crazy for deliveries if you could even get somebody to deliver it. And then it would take like a long ass time. So stuff would spoil like on the way. And then people weren't making orders like they used to. So they would have to throw everything away. Like... Produce, you know what I'm saying? Right. So you talking about produce, you talking about meat, all that meat that had to go bad. And that's what make that's why inflation is where it's at right now, because they're trying to recover everything that they lost. Yes. Down to down to microchips. Like that's why it's hard to find cars. You drive past a car lot, ain't gonna be no cars. Because they ain't got the microchips to go in and stuff. Like it, the pandemic messed up a lot of stuff like economically and like it's so many layers to it. Like I know the conspiracy theories out there and all that, but I feel like that's more so like I don't know if it's intentional as much as it is people taking advantage of the situation. They have the the, the power and the privilege to do so. Right. You know well, yeah, that's the thing. Once you have the power and the privilege, it depends on where you what what, what vantage point you at on how the pandemic affected you afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, um, like um, for me. I just want to recover however I'm doing something different. And although a lot of people do everything, you know, even if I'm doing half, there's no way to avoid the market. You know, the marketplace is going to be full of people doing half, mm-hmm. doing locks. If, it, if I'm choosing the podcast, if I'm choosing whatever I'm choosing, food service, I still got to deal with the Results. So for me, I feel like the pandemic just put me, realigned me with some stuff that I had not been doing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and going through cancer during the pandemic gave me meaning. Mm. 
Man, I got I got I got some questions for you. I, I hope you're ready for them. All right. All right First ahead. thing, just real quick, because I want to touch on your yeah, I want to ask about your cancer topic, right? Okay. But, but before that, this is something like deep down inside that drives me crazy. And I I kind of despise it to to some extent. But like, you know how you just mentioned it's always gonna be like a market for you can't avoid like the the, the competition basically. You can't right. avoid the market and stuff. Right. Doc, how do you feel about that? Like how do you approach going into a market that's saturated? And how do you navigate that? You know what I'm saying? So I got I I, I have mixed feelings about it. Sometimes I feel defeated by it, you know? Sometimes it's like, am I that special? You know? Kinda like I, I guess I could relate it to DJing and making beats. Mm. You know what I'm saying? In my opinion, the tracks that you let me hear are just as quality as any tracks I've heard on the radio. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They jam the same way. Mm-hmm. But that may not be the popular opinion. But does that make the value of the beat go down because everyone doesn't know about it to value it? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It don't. But the illusion, the imposter syndrome, the it, it, it makes you feel like the competition when you see people that may have had um, tools to you know, get further than you, but they were not as equipped as you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of, in the market, you it's kind of like, um, it's like sometimes in the market, there's packaging that make you buy a product that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other product packaging is pretty basic and not attractive, but it's the, it's the best product. So I feel like sometimes you just have to push through and remind yourself why you're doing it and if you're doing it for love then the end result don't necessarily matter as much as the experience man that's crazy like that's that's kind of hard though because if you set out like for me personally i ain't gonna lie man i've gotten discouraged with a bunch of different types of projects right because of that because i'll get out there and i'll start doing something and it's not what I thought it would be, or the, the experience. There's so much resistance in the, yes. in in doing it, or or so much competition that it's like I'm. I feel like a a drop of water in the ocean. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right. And so, to for me, that's discouraging. I'd rather be the big fish in a small pond all day than to be like one drop in the ocean. You know. What Likewise, saying? I feel the same way. Well, let me um let me reverse on you. So. I'm in your house right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around. I'm like, you know, if I focused and worked in corporate America, you know, went on here and worked in a field that I, I know I can make the money in, applied a degree, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And did that, then I could live like this. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But at what cost? You have a family, you know what I'm saying? A wife and a child to provide for and stuff. So... This even this makes me second guess my 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 path. You know what I'm saying? In terms of, but that's why I say the value system is what I value mm-hmm. because this is this is for you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And although I know this will make me comfortable, I don't know that it will make me happy. Exactly. And it take a lot of courage to to go along the journey of authentic uh, authenticity authenticity than it does to comply 
and 100%. survive. 100%. And I'm not going to lie. I can't sit here and say I don't get discouraged because I do. I just remind myself that I have been fortunate enough to have some experiences that people won't never have that live comfortably. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because of, because of my will to be authentic. Authentic, authentic. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, you got to be true to yourself, your values, and and the people that love you, and yeah. that like that's the most important thing for me. Yeah, I think um, that's. I think you're right, but it's like, let me tell you something. Me, you and I, we don't know how each other living until we know how each other living. Mm-hmm. Man, like before you came over to Third Ward and seen the property that I had, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. You didn't know that I was. We ain't thinking about how each other live because the yeah. friendship it's not superficial. Yeah, it's not like I. I We're not friends on a superficial basis. Yeah. Like I ain't friends with you because you. That's how you work with my doctor for so long, and I ain't know it because we yeah. don't even talk about none of that. Yeah, we connect when we connect, and that's an authentic, authentic friendship because we ain't even we don't compare checkbooks, houses. You know, ain't no, ain't no pissing contest. Yeah, it's never been for me. It's not, it's not, it, and ain't, ain't no pre- preconceived notions at the same time. Me either. That's why, like, I, that's why I'm able to be shocked. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. You can laugh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it, it, for me, coming from the same neighborhood, I would think that for both of us, that we live in the entirety of life through each other somewhat. Yeah, to some extent. For to, sure. To some extent. To, for like, sure. I, I feel like you have a freedom that I don't have in a lot of ways. And I feel like you have a discipline that I don't have in a lot of ways. But, it, I mean, it, on both on both sides, we both say the shit ain't necessarily easy. <laughs> the freedom <laughs> of it is Exactly, because... Man, this is a dude I listen to. Uh, but they're both day. rewarding, though, before you go into that. They're like, both rewarding. Yeah, of course. 100%. But it's like, for me, it's a balance. Because like, it's a dude I listen to, this uh, this uh, former Navy SEAL, his name Jocko Willing. It's a couple of dudes like this, too. Another one, David Goggins. Like, them two of my favorite guys to, like, follow and listen to their insight about about life. And audio, y'all. And, <laughs> No, I mean, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm tying it in. I, all right, all right, I'm all right, all right. So, 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 one of the things that Jocko always says is discipline equals freedom. So it's funny that you just said we was. I just said freedom, and you said discipline because they tie together very closely. And uh, just to break that down, just for a quick second, your the amount of discipline you put into something equals the amount of freedom to be able to do it or to be able to utilize whatever that skill set is or whatever the time is saved by learning that skill set, etc. So like for example, if I put a lot of discipline into art, then I have the freedom to paint better, to express my ideas more efficiently when I do sit down and, and project, you know, and do art. If I if I had a discipline to rap every single day, then, of course, I'm going to get better bars at the end of the day. If I had discipline to sit down and scratch, you know, when I'm making mixtapes, then, of course, I'm going to get better at making mixtapes. So what that translates to is you get better, yes, but 
that discipline enables you to free up your time or free up your level of expression or free up your talent to be easily expressed at it, whatever it, you're doing. It may, it may free your mind to be at a exactly. state of peace. Exactly. Even if the reward don't look uh, tangible. Exactly. That's, that's the whole point. So the discipline equals freedom is all of those things. Like you, well, that's you why we. That's why mind. we. That's how come we so, on common ground most of the time. But that's also why. <laughs> that's how come we can sit at the table with Kanye West and have this conversation, and a lot of people wouldn't understand it. Nah, I could be Kanye translator, bro. Like for real. Listen, that's my homie <laughs> in my head. <laughs> like I mean, I hear him talking. I'm like, oh, what he trying to say, y'all is. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Look, 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 look. Hold on, listen, man. Let me tell you. Just to talk, just to tackle it, because it's it's going on right now. If Kanye West were a white man <laughs> doing the same exact thing, it would be entertainment, but the split of support would be different. Does that make sense? Like it would be people that be like, "She is the devil," <laughs> and and he need to get her, you know. Right now, I'm not saying it's not people like the that's not um, supporting Kanye. What I'm saying is that he is painted and um, and portrayed as this villain. Mm-hmm. And even when he is explaining that he fighting for his children, even with the trauma that he's encountered with the loss of a mother and being an only child, mm-hmm. where's the compassion? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, but he a black man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's unfortunately, man. Like, I feel like that's just the way it is. And it I hate, is just I, the way it is. I hate it. I hate it with a passion, but it's just like at some, like we just at some point we got to accept it and just kind of boss up. You know what I'm saying? And it's not I fair. Think he has it's, accepted it and bossed up. That's yeah. how come he don't care about what people think, and yeah. that's why he do what he does. And I mean, he worked with six point six, so he could do that or nine or whatever it is. He worked, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's even with that, it's been like some speculation back and forth. But how much money you worth don't mean that's not how much value you are. No, 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 no. But no, I know no, what you're saying. No. What I'm saying, he don't have to depend on anybody exactly to do anything superficial for him. Exactly. His his whole superficial world is 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 taken care of. And here's the deal. <laughs> We don't know about his spiritual journey because we're not in his body and we're not his soul and we're not walking his journey. We just along him. We just with him on the. <coughs> we just with him on the journey. Mm-hmm. We spectators in the journey. But if you spectating, we all on the journey together. That's the part that we don't realize mm-hmm. because let's just take it to Christianity for a minute. You have all these churches, all these ministers. Or not Christianity. Let's go broader than that, because I don't want to. I don't want to exclude, or I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to um, mislead anyone or speak on behalf of anyone. Let's just go religion in its totality. In religion, everyone that participates in a religion is on a spiritual journey or quest to live out their highest being regardless to how they interpret it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So if everyone is on that journey, if we all exist simultaneously, then we are journeying together. Does that make sense? If we all doing looking at each other simultaneously, then we all journeying together. Yeah. Even though the past can be different, we can be at different points in our journey, but we, but we all riding together. We all riding together until you're not riding no more. And uh, the truth is, we only we know how how we truly feel because <laughs> we feel it. Mm-hmm. I can't feel for you. Mm-hmm. I can't feel your feelings. I can sympathize, empathize. I can understand. I can comprehend. But you can't go through it. I can't go through it. You know what I'm saying? And that that right there is what I think we we have lost ourselves in humanity with the be like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to go in out the house. I ain't finna have a pot. You're going to have to stay out there. <laughs> Go, uh, go but, sunbathe, little buddy. But but j- j- that's what I'm saying. Like at some point, like the way I the way I see it, like you know, I see it as I can do my best at the point where I comprehend me as best that I can. I'm still learning new things about myself every day. Mm-hmm. It literally like. Some stuff I have to unlearn about myself. Some people can manipulate you to think, believe things about yourself. Yeah, that's true too. Just like uh, you can, you can argue. I mean, it's pretty much fact at this point. But how society has manipulated black folks historically to believe that they're less than or negative, you know. Acceptance painted of, in a negative acceptance light, of, you know. It's called ABI. Acceptance of black inferiority. Yeah. And I've been telling John about that, you know, John is white, mm-hmm. my partner. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling him that I learned about it at the Shrine of the Black Madonna Culture Center and learning about it being a member of, of that of that organization of that church. Mm-hmm. I learned about ABI. Um Albert B. Cleed the author of The Black Messiah, BCN, um, the founder of, of Black Liberation, Black Christian Nationalists. Mm. Um, he talks about it in, in, in the book, Black uh, BCN, about ABI. Um, so we have accepted that when you say you want only reason our neighborhoods are up for gentrification because instead of us taking the money we make and building this same house in South Park, we worried about the property that if all of us collectively started with a street as black people got together and went and did the next, we could gentrify our own neighborhood. Yeah, that's that's actually happening, man. I'm I'm really proud of some of the projects that's going on to do that, like in Fifth Ward, to do that in Chris Senegal, for instance. Uh, Chill, matter of fact. Yeah, and Isaac Youngman, he got a, a spot he just built over there. Uh, and Melanie Young over in, uh, uh, she's doing Sunnyside. It's happening. Yeah, it's it, happening. It, it should have been happening. That, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. It is happening. Now, I'm not saying it's not happening. Better late than never. <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying that it should be at a faster clip. I, I'm not even saying that. I, I don't know. I can't judge it. 
I'm just saying, think about the possibilities. If we did not have ABI, if we didn't accept the black inferiority, if we had a concept of we're going to this restaurant on the white side of town because we know it's better. If we didn't think like that, think how successful our communities would be if we had pride. And I'll use this for example. Mm. On Bel Air, between, between uh, Gessner and let's say Derry Ashford or uh, Highway 6. We're talking about Houston, y'all. <laughs> yes, we talking about Texas, Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Houston, Houston, Texas. We from South Park, though. <laughs> South Park, Texas. It's a whole nother. Uh, a whole nother yeah, it's <laughs> it's only, a city, it's, it's, city it's, in a city. city, in city. <laughs> but <clears throat> think about what that has done over the last 25 years in terms of what it was 25 years ago when the Asian population started moving over there, mm-hmm. opposed to what it is today. In their businesses. Oh, yeah. Man, so, man, we can really go, like, way deeper in this conversation. Because there's, there's a lot of layers to this, right? Um, but, yes, I, overall, but, but, but I agree with you 100%. Here's the, here's the thing, though. The property value, I don't know that it's changed very much. Because in American society, when it's not, you know, the Starbucks and when it's not... Um, Let's just be keep it real. Gentrification is all measured by where the white women were spending their money in the beginning. Yeah. It, it, and so the Asians with their head down, the Asian society, the, uh, that community with their head down says, you know what? We're going to build this up regardless. Yep. Regardless to what they tell us the property values are. As a matter of fact, it works in our benefit if we stay here and build this up. Exactly. Not because we're chasing to be good ass, because we know our worth. Yes. So the property value may not be worth as much as River Oaks, but the culture, the cultural experience, is priceless. Man, there's man, there's there's so many levels to this though. I, I have to, like, I have to watch myself because I don't want to fall into the trap of. Not pointing out references and stuff like that. Man, listen. But, if, but the, the there's so is, many levels. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. That, that, that's the thing. Remember when we talked about the other day with the dominoes? Yeah. That's the thing. I, I, the first thing we could tell you on this podcast is we don't know shit. Bro. <laughs> but, but on that note, though, like, okay, I agree with you 100%, but there's so many layers to it. Like, for example, uh, one of the things I know we kind of going off a whole nother change, but one of the things I've noticed in just reading about like the the plight that a lot of Black Americans have faced, right, is one. There's one thing called I think it's called the Mauritius Manumission. You probably know what this is, but basically it's a set of codes that were written early on. Before, way before, like at the early onset of the transatlantic uh, slave trade, right? Okay. And basically, this this set of codes said that black people couldn't do certain things, right? Right. It was basically the it was the basis for like more modern like Jim Crow laws, right? right the right, laws right. written against black people even before Jim Crow. 
you know, the right. three fifths of man. birthed from this from ideas. This, yeah, from these this ideas. Idea. I'm sorry. Exactly. So, from the early onset, the beginning of America, even before America technically existed, like the the cards were stacked against anybody of African origin. Anybody of African descent. Well, yes, like, I, and, and that's the a, thing. Yeah. From, in a legal way, though. In a, legal, in, a, in a legal way. So the laws, the actual laws written on the books, were written against our ancestors from from, from day one, basically. So, like, okay, so you fast forward to how you say, like, you know, Asians went in with their heads down. They they just built up the community from where it was, right? Yeah. Mind you, I started with 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 so, years so, ago. So, exactly. So, so, so fast forward to 25 years ago, they were able to do that. Because they because, had been conditioned under the laws that was made before the Jim Crow laws yes, and stuff. There the weren't laws against them to say that they couldn't do these things. Right. You see what I'm saying? And they didn't have to fight battle after battle after battle because black people did it already for them. In the U.S. and other, you know, other places. Yeah, and, and yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody <laughs> has gotten further by us being in the forefront of the fight. Yes, for civil rights. So because that 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 fight for civil rights opened it up to everybody else. A lot of people look at that as negative. A lot of people look at that as positive. But I mean, it, it is what it is. What whether how you look at it, that's what happened. So well, and here's the, here's the here's the thing that I I have started to assess. I don't know if this to be true, but it's my theory that generational wealth is in the soul. And which is why uh, we can go to the hood right now and find a whole bunch of happy people. Uh, I oh, that's a, that's a good conversation. I think that's that's true to an extent because I feel Ain't like everything true to an extent. Yeah, I guess meaning you that it's gonna be somebody that don't feel like that. Maybe, so, they, maybe that, but, but they they can't live in that truth it's the same way. You know what I'm saying? Because okay, like I agree with you from the standpoint of some some generational wealth lives in the soul if the culture of your family uh, fosters that. Okay. Do you understand what I'm yes, saying? Yes, so yes. like okay. the same way, like, okay, yeah, I might be from let's say I'm from the country, I ain't got a whole lot of money, but I got land, I know how to farm, I got, you know, right. I got I got, uh, you got you this got house a... that was passed down for my, my mama and I got all of the uh knowledge the knowledge. Yes, exactly. Without the money. Without the money. Who needs the money? Well you grow your own food, you can take care of all your own stuff, you can right. raise your kids, you know how to read, you know how to do whatever own businesses so you can sell your crops or whatever whatever it is you do, right? If if that culture is passed down generation after generation, then yeah, generational wealth exists, right? Okay. But if, if that's severed somewhere, okay. then it then it, it can't. Or it has to be rekindled and rethought yeah, up. You uh, see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I think the rekindling is the life experience. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So somebody else <laughs> so, gotta go through all of that, right? In order to be able to build that back for the next generation. But that's what I'm saying. So that's why I say generational wealth is in the soul because the rekindling is at will a lot of times. I mean, I'm going to tell you why I say a lot of times because you have so many times that people have overcome the odds. Yes. A lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and another thing is 
when you're on that when you're on that spiritual path, no matter what we all believe, different whether we diff, uh, differentiate and beliefs and, and things like that, once some an event takes place, you can react to it. But regardless of the reaction, regardless of if you do this or not, the best thing you can do is accept it that it already took place because it's the past. Mm. You can accept that it took place. Not saying you accept the results from what happened. Mm -hmm. You accept that, okay, this happened, so what's next? Mm -hmm. That's how you start moving past it mm. or through it or over it. You know, That's the first step, you think? That's the first step, I think, because once the, 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 the doctor told me I have cancer, if I live in denial and I don't go to chemo and I don't change any habits and I don't stop doing drugs and I don't stop drinking and I don't stop doing this and I, you know, then have I truly accepted it? No. If I'm overweight and I go to the doctor and the doctor says, if you don't stop eating this and you don't stop doing that and I'm still eating the same thing, still having the same habits and I'm still doing have I accepted it just because I say I accepted it? Or have I accepted that this is how I'm, that I, or have I accepted? Oh, damn. I see what you're saying. Right. And not only that, who can judge me for which decision I, I decide because they're not at peace with what I may be at peace at with? There are people that do not accept the, 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 the medicine. And they accept and they say, you know what? It's God's will. Life was good. I accept. And that's how they choose to encounter cancer. I even changed my whole experience from battling cancer to I'm encountering it. Hmm. Because regardless of what the end result is of cancer, life is temporary regardless. Yeah, regardless. And so, Everybody gonna die so we all encounter in life. And some people are stuck in survival mode and they don't even have cancer. And they yeah. battling in their self. Mm-hmm. Without cancer. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. That, that that thought, what you just said about acceptance. It's like, do you accept whatever it is, like that diagnosis, or do you accept the lifestyle that you've been living that puts you there? I accept both of them simultaneously. Okay. Here's the deal. In my thought process, the reason why I've dealt with terminal illnesses and um, overcome some really I mean diabolical situations when I had tuberculosis yeah, I'm you know, about I got I got scar tissue uh, that covers 80% of my left lung that don't allow it to expand therefore it's not as useful mm -hmm. well I had a, it's scar tissue that they said wouldn't heal mm -hmm. that was covering 80% of my lung but I go to the what's the Pulmonologist, and she was surprised because I still smoke weed, and it went from eighty-seven percent to like seventy-eight or something in like five years, and she was like, "Hmm, how? Uh, I don't know." That's all another conversation. Though. But it's no, it's this conversation because yeah. it fits yeah. hand in hand with what I'm telling why I think the way I think because of what I've been through. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Tuberculosis, and then. The lesions on my mm. brain. They gone. Man, you know cannabinoids have healing properties, right? 
Tell me what the, the first word you said. Oh, my bad. Let me slow yeah. down for y'all. The, listen, good, listen, we are not in the lab. I I'm know sorry. I'm, <laughs> I, I know I'm intelligent, bro. bro Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk, Musk just, pro, just posted yeah. having a college degree and being intelligent. It's two different things. Nah, yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. two different things. So, sure. so having what have him him in property? All right, so, I thought you said canola oil. So anything in a cannabis family. So hemp, cannabis, they have cannabinoids, right? Like there's a bunch of different plants that have cannabinoids in it that are in the cannabis family. Cannabinoids are also naturally occurring uh, compounds in the human body. The human body actually makes some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So. The, what they found in doing a whole bunch of research on weed and hemp and CBD and all kinds of stuff like that, uh, they found that a lot of these similar compounds have certain functions in the human body in the immune system. So that's why when people like take CBD, it calms their inflammation down or relieves pain or you know certain things. It also has like certain common effects that trigger good feeling chemicals like dopamine. Dopamine, yeah. Right? So, so that's where that high comes from. Um, smoke weed. If do- what's it called? Um, what does the brain release when you laugh? Uh, dopamine, oxytocin. Endorphins, like no? Endorphins, yeah. Endorphins, yeah. Endorphins, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, so, so listen, so let's talk about this since we're on a scientific thing. Let's talk about the word benign. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? A benign reaction. Like something that basically doesn't have a big impact on your... Like in, in a medical sense, it means non-cancerous. But like benign just means like something that doesn't have a big impact on whatever it is. So what... In the so like sense? if you fall, you don't hurt your knee. That's a benign fall. Okay. But if you fall and, and, and blow your knee out or something, that's not a benign fall because it had long-lasting effects. Okay, so let me ask you this. When... When the same properties that heal most respond in an opposite result in someone's body, what is that called? Uh, metastatic or like a cancerous. There's another word. I'm 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 struggling to find it, but when it's not benign, the opposite of benign. Okay. So none but malignant. Malignant. That's the word. Okay. So bad. Malignant means bad, basically. Mal, M-A-L, it's like the prefix for bad. Okay, so um when I was when I was in the hospital, um, I don't take Tylenol, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like I, like when I had tuberculosis, something about the infection when I had it, um something about the infection, I I I, I was running a fever. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever I would take the Tylenol in the beginning, it would make me really dizzy, mm-hmm. and I it would break the fever eventually. But the amount of sweat that it would take would um would uh like the the way I would feel like throwing up, like the Tylenol gave me a reaction that was like just I I, I wasn't willing to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so I refuse to talk about it. I said, man, I'm, I'm, this is an allergic reaction to me. I'm allergic to Tylenol. That's what I told So I refused to talk about mm-hmm. So the doctors came in, and Dr. Walk, who was my doctor at the time, mm-hmm. 
And they're coming in like, well, Christopher, your fever is 101 and such and such, such and such. Christopher, your fever is 101. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they were. I love it too, but I don't know if that was a good Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Watt. My, my interpretations are trash. My uh my my imitation. Well <laughs> <laughs> no, uh but the thing is is that I wouldn't take the Tylenol. And so I'm explaining to the doctors that this is before I read all the information I read about treating symptoms and not the root. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying to the doctors, listen, if the fever is from the infection, then treat the infection. Yes. And then I'll deal. I'm going to go through the fever right now. Yes. Because Tylenol has not been here since the beginning of time. Yes. But this infection has been here longer than this Tylenol. Yes. And people live through it. Yes. So treat this infection. Yes. And let me tell you something. In, as a black man in America, in the hospital, doctors get offended when you won't do what they tell you to do. Yes. I agree. Uh, I agree with all, the, all of those statements, 100%. But my will and my, you know me, my will and my tone, and I'm so assertive and decisive that I would not let them, to this day, if I get, even with the cancer, when I get those fevers and it come from another infection, I'm not taking Tylenol to mm-hmm. cover up. I'm not about to take it because eventually Tylenol is playing on your liver and your kidney. Mm-hmm. If you take too much, yeah, it definitely affects it. Right, but if I already got an infection that's attacking my whole immune system, mm-hmm. then that means that my organs are at risk. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that's a fair. That's a fair uh, thought. It. Uh, I can't say that it happened like that one hundred percent of the time. No, but, you can't. That's, that's a fair. That's a very fair thought. Like process. Like you read your reason. Your logic is on point with that. But I haven't been to medical school. But I don't have to go to medical school to read the books to see oh, the same that. dominoes. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, okay, so the domino, the dominoes that we talking about. The other day, Narada asked me, "Did I think that it was Kanye's support that made him who he is? Like from his mom? From his mom, or was it him believing in himself?" And what made him ask me that question was me saying that Kanye mama believed in him because he believed in him. And so it's kind of like, it's the, did the chicken come before the egg question somewhat? Yeah, exactly. Meaning his mom gave him the willpower. She supported, she, she gave him the first, she put, she planted the seed and then she, she, she gardened it. And then he was, Kanye, and then he was able to make assess and make his own decisions and have his own garden. Mm-hmm. And because of what she taught him, when he spoke so adamantly and so precisely about what he knew to be his faith, she believed in him because he believed in him. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I, I don't. I don't know. None of this is scientific. This is just the feeling that I have, and I only have it per my own experience in life with health and overcoming situations that people will be like, damn, I'm surprised you're here. But it's this faith that I have that overrides a lot of my superficial being. So, it, like, just to make a comparison, though, when we're talking about yay. You you said 
Uh, I think you mentioned that you say don't call him Jay like you. You think his mom? I I gotta correct you, sir. His, name, his legal name <laughs> yeah, is his legal yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call him Yay. Yeah. yeah, that's but, right. But uh, but like you said, you think it it's maybe might have started with his mom believing know, him, like right raising him a certain way. Let's tie back into what we said. Mm-hmm. So I think with his cousin being his assist, uh, assistant. I think that his family fostered a generational wealth of self-belief or like self-confidence, yeah, of self-confidence, self-belief that is valued at a higher price than the money that's in his account. Okay, I I, I see what I see where you're going with that 100. Now, with your personal situation, dealing with all the stuff you dealt with, do you think it was like your, the way you were raised and your mother's belief? in you early on that give you the self-confidence to persevere through all of that? Or do you think it's just like something that comes from internally? If I'm being totally vulnerable, I believe that I am fighting against trauma that I was raised in, abandonment that happened to me, and that if I was raised with this, if, if my family fostered the same generational wealth that Kanye West's family Fostered, I would have a different outcome. However, then it would be boring because I wouldn't be me. <laughs> I'm laughing at the. I mean, boring part because yeah. like to me, it sounds like you got that generational wealth and self confidence because that's how how people self confident people talk. To me, it sounds like <laughs> to, to me to me no self confident people be like oh just like uh that when that's that when uh. Dave Chappelle was like, uh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, Kanye answered the phone when he was at a live shoot or something, and Dave Chappelle was like, hello, yes, this is Kanye West, uh, I'm shooting a Dave Chappelle show, I can't do that right now, <laughs> and then they were like, why are you shooting with Dave Chappelle or something like that, and then Dave Chappelle said, Kanye was like, because I'm Kanye West, and my life is dope, and he just hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how you sound right now. Well, like that's a self confident well, person wouldn't say. Well, here's the thing. No, it would, it would be boring because it wouldn't be me. <laughs> so, 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 so here's the, here's the deal. No, my family, we have value system. Okay, that does not chase American dreams. Okay, all right. Does that make more sense now? Yeah, yeah. And so, but I'm also going through a rekindling. Do it even make more sense? Mm-hmm. Based on what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. I'm in the rekindling process. Mm-hmm. Kanye West was in the being process, mm-hmm. or the, the or, or no, the fruit of yeah, the fruit, process. Yeah, yeah. So our families are at two different stages in our life. I see what you're saying. My mom is still here with me, thank God, and I'm I'm blessed. Yeah, thank but God. it's not all peaches and cream. But would I trade Kanye's West for my mom's life? No, no, no. 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 Of course not. I don't want yeah, his wealth if it costs my mama life. Of course not. I don't care how temporary life is. I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. That's not yeah, it. I, I, I'd rather go through and I talk struggle to, all day. Yeah. And have mama here regardless. Same and that's the, that goes back to that value system. Yeah. And so, it's kind of, it's like the puzzle. I, I, we all have something that the, the next one can use. It's kind of, you know, when we was talking about, when I, let me tell you, I'm not a freestyle artist. However, I am a freestyle liver. So I might freestyle some bars 
just because I know I'm a star. So I might just start off the top of my head. Even when I'm laying in bed, I might just jump in and say what I said. You feel what I'm saying? No, I'm talking about... I ain't even playing. I'm just saying, any given moment, I can turn into what I need to be because it's already instilled in me. Mm-hmm. However, your beats have an energy from South Park. A little bit. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's like uh it's like mo- molecular, as you would say, <laughs> in the lab. You feel me? Mm-hmm. It's like it's in, it's in my genes. You know, it's not a coincidence that I could freestyle your beats and and some other people beats. I'm like, man, what is this? Man, you know what? I gotta take this back a little bit. You know how you talk about how uh in in Houston over there off kind of like the Bel Air area. Kind of like right up Beltway near A Leaf, between Gessner and all those places. There's like a, a huge Asian population that's built up the area. They own a lot of businesses there. They pretty much run it. I think they could even call it Chinatown. But I mean, it's more than just Chinese people over there, obviously. But, right. But um, Asian town. Yeah. Technically, you know, technically it's like uh, Asian. Because Asian, don't it includes all things Asian, like China? Japanese. Yeah, Asia is like the general term for it. And there's a lot of overlap. It's in, like, like cultural right? overlap. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like like Chinese people aren't the same as like Japanese people. Who I know that. that. I'm just saying like some people Dr. think. Dr. Wok is what? Dr. Um, Wok is from Ecuador. I think. Yeah, see. I want to say Ecuador. I, I'm not sure. I think she is. Ecuador, that's in South America, right? Yeah, South America. Yeah, she's South American. I know that. But like she's not, she's not. You wouldn't call her Mexican, for instance. No, she's would. obviously she's Hispanic. She might fall into that but you know, a lot broad of category. Think she's Asian because of because name Wak. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's Wak Coburn, but yeah, Coburn. just like our pe- people migrated and traveled, so did they. Yeah, everybody did. That's yeah. That's okay. That's a whole other podcast right there. But what I was trying to say was, you you made a comment earlier, and that kind of the more I think about it, the more we talk, I think it's. It rings true because you said generational wealth is like in the soul. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of backdoored that and said it's due to your culture. I think like when we talk about Chinatown, the, like the Asian community in the U.S. Uh-huh. in you, here. You about to align that with South Park. It's, it's, it's a, well, it's, it's, it's synonymous uh-huh. exactly to what you said because culturally they were able to pass down all of those different uh, aspects of wealth, of entrepreneurship, of the knowledge that they had in previous generations, right? They were able to pass all those things down and birth a community in a foreign land with all of that stuff, right? So right. now you have all those people with all those businesses, even though they're in the U.S., they still maintain their cultural um, identity. They still, yeah. they still execute those cultural beliefs those those cultural practices all of those things like they are they're able to do all of that right right in that space and that's why you have uh you know like places in like chinatown new york koreatown and la you know you have these types of places scott says she's gonna be on this podcast <laughs> yeah excuse me y'all. that's my oh, daughter no, my daughter talking on. you know she, we let she, her riff when she want to so but but that's why you had those things because because they are they have a a, a a culture of generational wealth as far as their customs as far as their uh, their belief systems their their family practices 
And and the thing for me is like where I see a disconnect, and I, I think about this a lot sometimes, is when you have like the African diaspora, uh-huh. African Americans, meaning like uh, Af- American descendants of slavery, essentially, right? Uh-huh. People that were born here whose parents uh-huh. were imported uh, against their will, right? Supposedly. And, and yeah, supposedly made slaves, right? Uh-huh. So, for those people, a lot of uh, those people came from different areas of Africa. Right. A lot of those people came from different cultures. Oh, they and, here. And well, we'll get, that's a whole different conversation. Some of some of us, yes, but not a lot of us weren't. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right. I think it's a little bit of both. But but a lot of those, I'm talking about strictly the like African descendants of slavery that were right, imported, right, right? Right. Right. So some of you those know, people came here and they were severed from those cultures. Right? right, so just like we were talking about generational wealth, there are centuries and centuries and centuries worth of wealth that was stolen. No, no, no. There oh. are centuries and centuries worth of wealth, generational wealth, quote unquote, meaning like all the cultural practices, the customs, the foods, all that that were built in Asia, different parts of Asia that never uh, was wiped out. It's still intact, right. even if you go to those same folks in Chinatown. Right, it's right. still intact. It wasn't colonized. It's so. not colonized. It's, it hasn't been colonized. It might be influenced by other cultures. It might incorporate other cultures, but their cultures are still intact from way from like thousands of years ago. As a matter of fact, whereas in African descendants of slavery, our cultures have been severed right. like multiple times over. You see right. what I'm saying? So when you talk about like building up like fifth ward and stuff like that and, and generational wealth like I feel like our generational wealth in that in your uh perspective or your context I should say like that has been severed for people that are a black in America. I'm not talking well, about like people well, that are Nigerian or you know like maybe no, like first or second generation. I agree and that goes but, back to that ABI and then the next thing is individual individualism. So yeah. Um <laughs> How many of those Asians that live in Asian town or Chinatown, if you will, how many how many of those people live there and drive far to go to work and don't do what's convenient and comfortable, but do what's necessary to maintain their culture? Man, a lot of them do a lot, especially like first generation immigrants. A lot of them, like, they suffer, man. Like they suffer big time for Are their this, family. You know what I'm saying? But this is the thing, though. Some a lot of the, I suffer. say the first generation is like indiv- suffering, but, but individualism may call it suffering. But some people, th- that's where the value system come in. You can't look at somebody with you can't look at somebody's life and call it a sacrifice okay, I, or suffering until they saying and oh, it's too is uh, evident, like it's life threatening. Mm-hmm. It's evident that you're suffering. Uh, I mean, th- there's a there's a balance of that uh, of that assessment. Mm. I believe, you know, I would need an Asian person here with the grandparents to see if they looked at it as suffering or did they look at it as an honor because they was in America and they didn't feel like they were suffering. They felt like they were suffering where they came from and they provided a life. So they ain't suffer or sacrifice. They were adaptive. They, they had adapt. They adapted. They had confidence and they did what they had to do because of what they valued. So it was an honor and it was an experience. I, yeah, I agree to some extent, but they also suffered discrimination 
and I mean, like well, everybody suffer that. Yeah, not so, the way we do. But. So yeah, not nah. I'm yeah. not comparing it at all. No, no, but, I know. No, but, I, I'm just saying that. Just when you said that, like that take the whole. Like you just told me, that's a whole nother podcast. Like, yeah, yeah, that that part is. But but I'm just saying, like it wasn't it wasn't the, the rosiest experience for them either. That's why I said suffering. Or, right. I meant to say sacrifice in uh, reality. Or uh, uh, did they persevere? Of course, that's 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 how that's how it happened. I mean, ten but toes down, they persevered. When, when they you, kept it moving. When so. you persevere, though, when you persevere during a game, you did not sacrifice. You sacrificed when you when your time a little bit when you went to practice and you didn't feel like it. But okay, it, so sacrifice got such a negative. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I, those words. I've been choosing my words. So here's it is. I feel like I feel like life can be contradictory. Words have power. Mm-hmm. Then you got toxic positivity. And so you got oxymorons. And so I have to be careful. This is part of the, the struggle that I go through. Like, I have to be careful with what words I give power. Mm-hmm. And I have to think, that, that, are you sacrificing? Are you, I'd rather step out on faith than sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yeah, but what, what, would, you, what would you replace that word? Because I, it's, it's, you're Her- giving up something to get something. So what, what would what you replace are you giving that? up? Either your time, your effort, your energy, or but your are you money or something. But are you giving it up if you're alive? Now, if somebody sacrificed, they, the people that died, they sacrificed. Ultimately, yeah. The yeah. Sacrificed. That's what I'm saying. So. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, so what, if, if, like what, what's a, if you what's a positive, what's a positive um, way to replace that word I'm trying to figure out. Like, the thing is, is that let me tell you, some people do things because they need to be done. Some people do things because they need to be done and they enjoy doing what needs to be done. Some people do it begrudgingly. Some people do it willingly. Because of those nuances, there's no there's no one way that can actually assess a from the outside, from you know what I'm saying? Now, if you talk about your situation and you tell me where you sacrificed and what you did, then I get that. I, okay, I, I respect where you're coming from now. So basically what you're saying is I can't call it from a second. I can't call somebody else's um, whatever, whatever it is, whatever they gave up to get what they got. I can't call it a sacrifice because they might have willingly done that. It might be a way of life for them. I think sacrifice coming when, when love, sacrifice and love go hand in hand. So, you like you said, I have freedoms that you don't have, right? Mm-hmm. So now, in order to come and be a podcaster with me, like I'm asking, you have to sacrifice something. You see what I'm saying? I have to give something up to to like there's a well, trade off. Yeah, right. that's a trade off. But it might be a little to go surfing. You might have to sacrifice some time over here because you have things that you love yeah. equally. But what's more important? And sometimes we don't do what's most, more, most important, and that's where the sacrifice comes in. We, do, we don't do what's most important, we do what's most beneficial. So are you saying a sacrifice is when you do most, what's most important as opposed to what's most beneficial, or vice versa? I'm saying, yes, I'm saying that it can work in either way, either. It depends on what you love the most or if you love them equally. So... If I love, if I love, okay, so I love podcasting. I, I love it, right? But it's, it don't pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. So doing hair or working a job may pay the bills or 
pursuing a career and they pay the bills. And that's just for, for now because I believe that my day is coming where people will be tuning in, people will be advertising, people will come to We Game to express themselves and it will be something that I will benefit from as well as enjoy. I'm also careful about how much of that I bite off because I don't want to be at the um the 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 I, I don't want to be I don't want to sacrifice my privacy and intimacy with my friends, you know what I'm saying? And my uh and my life. That makes sense? By you mean by disclosing in a podcast? By no, or by um, or by by, by, chewing, by by buying off, by biting off too much than I could chew. By, and, by, re- but, and not realizing I made a sacrifice until I was too late. So, but but I mean by by doing what though? Like by, by spending too much time and uh-uh, energy on no, the podcast, by, or by mm-mm, by the by having a superficial value system and taking what's in, what I might feel like is important is not as important as it is beneficial, i.e., I would not trade my mom for wealth. Okay, so you're saying you wouldn't trade friendships and spending time with friends for the podcast? I would, you know, I said I use my mom because I know for a fact how I feel friends fickle, so they come and go. Friends fickles, <laughs> friends come and go, and, and um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Bye, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't want to tell you no lies, buddy. I mean, we pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, bye, friend. <laughs> if Bumby uh concert had been during the daytime, oh no, I ain't tripping. I, no, I, I know. I, yeah. No, I'm just using an example because you can understand it because you love Bumby, right? Yeah. So <laughs> even your interview would be like. Man, I got these free tickets. But me, I can't miss this. So I gotta, I gotta go. So, guess what? You might have sacrificed getting your hair done, even though it would have been beneficial in your opinion to your interview. But then here comes that law of attraction, the peace of mind, the spiritual journey of it. Take strip everything down from the superficial to the authentic experience. What do you truly have to lose? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I feel what you're saying. It's just it's just kind of hard though because it, because of the way we condition. It's hard for me. Man, that's it, why it's just it, a perspective. And I'm still. <laughs> what am I doing right now? Working. Yeah. <laughs> so do- okay. So on the same token, you remember? So I I told you there was two guys that I really like to follow, right? Uh, as far as for their perspective on on different things. The other one talks about suffering, mm-hmm. like physical suffering to condition your mind a certain way. What you're saying aligns with what he's talking about in a lot of ways because he talks about suffering to condition your mind. You're talking about reorienting the way that you think mm-hmm. to condition your, your mind to, to not look at things a certain way. So the, the same way he says, like, all right, you suffer so that it toughens you up and you look at suffering as a positive as opposed to negative, because that means you can persevere through things. You're saying don't look at stuff as a sacrifice because I want to look at things well, from the standpoint of this is what I got to do to get where I want to be. 
and I'm enjoying the journey. I'm not worried about trading this off because my I'm enjoying this journey to because I'm living in my purpose or whatever it is. So you're saying basically a, a very similar thing. It's basically reorient, reorienting your mind, changing the way you think around. Breaking and unlearning and condition. Conditioning. Being, be, being true to what I feel opposed to what I'm taught. But, condition, but conditioning yourself to do that, though. And it's hard. But because if you condition yourself to do that, that means it's going to be uncomfortable. Right. So the same way, like, like Goggins, he be talking about you got to make yourself uncomfortable every day right. so that you get familiar with being uncomfortable. Right. You're saying you got to do that with your mind the same way. Right. So, so you're saying that basically you are choosing your passion and choosing freedom is uncomfortable. Yes. Okay. Because I, I see, I see where you come people from. value freedom differently. And because I'm not exempt from the human experience... I look at your house and your pool, and I say, man, you, you know what? It. No, I'm just being for real. Yeah, at that point. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, you don't want to buy it. Go ahead, go ahead. You know, live in Houston no more. We in Georgia. Yeah, uh, uh, we're, uh, we're in uh, Atlanta. We, <laughs> <laughs> nah, we in Decatur. <laughs> <laughs> That's a South Park wannabe. Decatur. <laughs> <coughs> You want to pause for that? No, right. I just had to kiss. <laughs> I had to kiss that edit this part out. Take, take your time, Pastor. Take your time, Pastor. <laughs> Man, listen. Let me tell you though. Uh, did you see the uh, the meet, the the little clip where the little boy was getting dressed up? She put him in a vest, and he was like, "I don't want to look like the pastor. Nah, I don't look like myself no more." He was like two years old. He's like, nah. "I look like the pastor." Nah, I had to pull that up to show it to you. But no, um. What I'm saying is, yeah, so I struggle with the value system and what, and, and the experience. So I have to revisit what I, like, why am I doing? What do I want to do? And who am I responsible for? And that's where the conversation for me, I tied into faith. How much do I trust God? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so. I'm laughing at baby. Because she said, bring your ass in here. Wilding. She in there saying, whatever they got there talking about, I can feel the energy in here. And I got something to say. But but no, like, so on the cliches, uh, cliches. <laughs> that sounds like a, a ghetto name. Cliches <laughs> Jones. <laughs> cliches Jenkins Smith. <laughs> you know cliches. Anyway, but no, in the in terms of being cliche, people say, oh, thank God. Thank God. You know, thank God. I praise God. Uh, if it wasn't for God, uh, I, I love God. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. And I thank you, Buddha. Whatever, they, whatever, you, whatever it is, mm-hmm. without being mindful of what they're being thankful for, without being mindful of what's really going on, like you said, accepting what's true in my life. So what's true in my life right now is that I am not totally comfortable but I am very grateful to be alive mm. I'm not I don't have all my wants but I do have all my needs mm-hmm. and although I'm not sure when the turnaround is coming I'm grateful for right now mm-hmm. this moment that's the truest I can be and I'm not always happy 
with where I'm at, but I'm always grateful to be where I'm at. Yes. And that makes me happy that I can be mindful enough to be grateful because in a world that looks so bleak at times, I don't, I'm not sure that I even want all that looks so superficially great. Mm-hmm. We game. We game.